In our previous episode of this podcast series, Exploring the Town of Capernaum, we reviewed some of the scriptural passages that mention that town, and there is an abundance of references. Messiah performed many miracles in Capernaum. Several of his well-known teachings were also delivered at that location. The Gospels state that Yeshua lived in Capernaum. Obviously, there's a wealth of scriptural reasons to consider that town significant. Today, we're going to examine some of the early history of Capernaum. The name Capernaum does not appear in the scriptures anywhere outside of the four Gospels. I recently saw what I consider a very misguided report, which tried to explain why the town is not mentioned in the Tanakh. Inexplicably, the author concluded that the most plausible reason that Capernaum is not mentioned in the Torah or in the prophets is that the town never existed at all. He wrote that all the stories connected with the Gospels were mythology. I think his reasoning is quite faulty. There are several possible explanations to the absence, the lack of the name of Capernaum in the Torah. We're going to look at several of those for a few moments before we move on with, with our study. Well, first of all, it could be that the town was not established till the late Hashmonian period, the time of the Maccabees, and did not become a regionally significant town until the Roman occupation. Remember, Capernaum was a home to Roman tax collector Matthew, as described in Mark chapter 2. Also based on the miracle in Matthew chapter 8, it seems that a Roman centurion lived in the town or in its vicinity. Historians and archaeologists say that a trade route um, connected Damascus and the Mediterranean Sea. It was located along the Sea of Galilee, and that trade route was referred to as the Via Maris, the Way of the Sea. Although a more primitive trail preceded the Romans by a thousand years, the Romans used the same route. In fact, a decision was made to appoint a tax collector in Capernaum that may have been based on not just fishing and agricultural commerce, but on the Via Maris as well. Matthew may have taxed uh, travelers on the highway. We'll talk about that in a few moments. In Mark chapter 2, Messiah enters Capernaum. Verses 13 and 14 read, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto them, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. This seems to draw a picture that Matthew was on the outskirts of the town, near the Sea of Galilee, perhaps on, on the Via Maris. Let's consider the issue of taxes for a few moments. The Roman Empire was built on the spoils of war and plunder, but it was also sustained with taxes. According to John Kloppenborg at the University of Toronto, tax rates were quite significant. While we do not have information available for the taxes in Eretz Israel, we have papyrus documents detailing the tax rates in Egypt. In his 2018 article entitled, Jesus, Fishermen, and Tax Collectors, Kloppenborg detailed that the taxes that Romans charged on fishermen ranged from 25 to 50% of the catch. Half of the fish are ours, said the government. While that figure sounds horribly excessive, Kloppenborg explains that those rates were similar to the rates that sharecroppers had to pay. How about taxes for traveling on Roman toll roads? According to Casey Hansen, in his 1997 article 
entitled The Galilean Fishing Economy and the Jesus Tradition, there were different rates for camels or donkeys as opposed to wagons. The charge for people was based on the profession of the traveler and whether the traveler was male or female. Again, the date is the data is based on tolls documented in Egyptian parts of the Roman Empire. Although Matthew, the tax collector's presence in Capernaum, may have been unwelcomed by the local fishermen as well as travelers, his presence points to the significance of the town in the eyes of the Romans. In 1975, a royal Roman marker was found in the ruins of Capernaum. That marker is on display today in the town, and you can see it. The stone marker dates to the time of Emperor Hadrian in the second century. The evidence supports the conclusion that this town was important in the time of the Roman Empire. Well, perhaps Capernaum was not founded in the Roman period or in the time of the Maccabees. Perhaps Capernaum had already existed as a very small, insignificant village prior to the Hashmonian period. Maybe that the town provided no reason for the Torah to ever mention the town. Perhaps it wasn't mentioned until it rose to a level of significance in the time of the Romans. There's another possibility. Capernaum perhaps was known by another name before the first century. All these scenarios are plausible, but it seems quite ludicrous to dismiss all the evidence and to conclude that Capernaum did not even exist. Is the town mentioned in any other documents outside the Gospels? Some authors claim that Josephus never mentioned Capernaum, but other sources refer to a reference by Josephus that he was being brought to the city after being wounded in battle. The town apparently was too small to provide adequate medical care, and he was brought to Magdala instead. According to the International Standard uh, Bible Encyclopedia Online, Josephus appears to mention Capernaum tw twice. We read, It played no great part in the history of his meaning Josephus, time, and seems to have declined in importance, as he refers to as a village. In the battle of El Bateja, his horse fell into a quagmire, and he suffered injury, which disabled him for, from further fighting. His soldiers carried him to the village of Capernaum. In parentheses, the encyclopedia adds, this reference is, however, doubtful. The name as it stands is Capernaumon, which has been corrected by Nisi to Kefanokan. Once he was removed to Tarakia, which is identified as Magdala. Again, he eulogizes the plain of Gennesaret for its wonderful fruits and says it is watered by a most fertile fountain which the people of the country call Kefanokan, Capernaum. In the water of this fountain, the Corasinus fish is found. Josephus therefore corroborates the biblical data and adds the information as the fountain and the Chorosinus fish. The fish, however, is found in other fountains near the lake and is therefore no help toward identification. End of reference. Let's consider the name of the town. In English, we call it Capernaum, from the Hebrew Kafar Nahum, the village of comfort, or the village of Nahum. Is this town associated with prophet Nahum? The book of Nahum opens by describing the prophet as an Elkoshite. Where was Elkosh, or what was Elkosh? Rashi said that Elkosh was Nahum's home city, but Ibn Ezra and Reddick stated it was the name of one of the prophet's ancestors. Now the theories start to multiply. 
Did Nahum live in Capernaum or Alkosh? Some believe that the prophet lived in both of these locations. He was born in one and grew up in the other. Some state that the prophet lived in Capernaum, but the town had been called by a different name. That name was later changed to the village of Nahum or Capernaum to honor the prophet. Even if the town is named the village of Nahum, how do we know it's the same prophet who wrote the book that we have, the book in the Bible? If the city is indeed named after the prophet Nahum, there's a great irony associated with this. The prophet was to give uh, a message to the people of Nineveh. Because of the great wickedness of Assyria, Nineveh was to be destroyed. It's ironic that Capernaum, the town of Nahum, the prophet's own town, would also be destroyed. We read in Matthew chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Capernaum was to be completely destroyed because the people failed to acknowledge the miracles that were done in it. Nineveh had been shaken earlier by the preaching of Jonah, though the city had seen no evidence of God's power and majesty. One greater than Jonah walked through the streets of Capernaum, and the people did not turn to God with all their hearts. The destruction of Capernaum was so extensive that for over a thousand years the town remained in ruins. Explorers were unsure where it once stood. Edward Robinson is credited with identifying the uh, present location as the actual site of the biblical city. We previously discussed Edward Robinson in part eight of our Western Wall series, which covered the monumental arch, Robinson's Arch, located at the southern end of the Western Wall. The destruction of Capernaum is a great testimony for us. It's a lesson. We must never forget the mighty works of God or his warnings. Thank you for joining us as we explore Capernaum. Next week, we will again visit this historically rich town.